Greetings, my excellent friends, and welcome back to the San Dimas School of Film podcast. Please join us on the most excellent venture through time as we discuss all genres of film. My name is Tim, and with me in the booth today is Al and Julian. Hey. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> now, Jules. Back from the porcelain, don't get some time. <laughs> you know what? You're not helping this whole porcelain ex- circuits of time business by... Well, let's let's say... Let's, we might as well tell everyone. You're Full disclosure. Roasting, you're sitting there roasting in your spa at the moment. Oh, I am. So, 39 degrees of fury. <laughs> oh, so, soaking in a, in a tepid pool of your own filth. This is why you got <laughs> sick in the first bit. place, mate. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you patient zero? Possibly. Possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few bats in the spa here with me. <laughs> <laughs> We're broiling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's good to have you back, mate. We haven't had you for a while. We still can't get all four of us together at the moment, but that's just uh, the nature of the game at the moment, I think. Yeah, so. the, the bread took over from Brad. And look, you know, fair enough. We've fair all, enough. It looked pretty all, good. Yeah, we've all altered, um, you know, what our... Uh, priorities um, are. Priorities, that's the word I was looking for are at this time. So that's fair enough if he's, if he's off baking bread. So you get, <laughs> he's got to provide as a dad. Now... As a dad... <laughs> Uh, Al, you yep. are taking us through the circuits of time today. We're going back to 1994, which we've been once before. Mm-hmm. Um, back to watch the Coen Brothers comedy satire. Um, yeah. The Hudsucker yeah. Proxy. Would that, that, that do it justice, you think? Yeah, I think so. so yeah, satire. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Hom- I don't know. We can delve into that. We can delve caper. into that. Caper. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a caper. Um, before we hit the booth at the San Dimas School of Film, we acknowledge and are grateful to our first storytellers, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on. I finally get to say it, Jules. Hit the booth. Gentlemen, we're history. Oh, what um, a ride. <laughs> so 994, um, we are we are back and I'm I'm trying to think what the movie what the movie was that we did. I think it was I think Speed was ninety four, wasn't it? You're correct. It was Speed. Nice. Way, way back. Yeah. Now we don't have we don't have Brad here today. So in an unprecedented move. I'm volunteering <laughs> to jump in and do what is possibly my favourite segment. Oh. <laughs> and it is called <gasps> History with Tim. History with Tim. History with Tim. History with Tim. <laughs> History with Tim. <laughs> oh, History with Tim. It worked seamlessly. It was perfect. <laughs> okay. So 1994, like a proxy, 111 <laughs> minutes. Aspect ratio, Jules. Ah, uh, jeez, it's old school. Uh, 16 by 9. Nope. Oh, no, it is. 185 to 1, which I think... 185 to 1. Nine. I think it's 16 by 9, yeah. Although I think that actually technically equals 16.65 to 1, but, you know, whatever. We'll let that slide. <laughs> but, who, but who's checking, um, really? <laughs> uh, all right, so 1994 brought to Have you... Have you been rehearsing this? People's, no. <laughs> brought to you by our good friends at the People's History. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Important things>. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cadence. You've you've nailed it already, Tim. <laughs> this is. I feel like I'm sitting here listening to a bit more Brad. preparation. Uh, yeah. Nelson Mandela becomes the president of South Africa. Um, the wow. Channel Tunnel or the Channel was completed. Um, what else happened? Um, Northridge earthquake in the US. There you go. It's in Los Angeles. Oh Who knew about that? Um, O.J. Simpson fleed the police in his in his Ford Bronco. Oh, no one um, knew about the earthquake because they were all watching the Bronco. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, it was a tragic year for music. Uh, Kurt Cobain took his own life. Um, and um, Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, to just do a complete 180 on that, the top <laughs> 10 baby names for 1994. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Jessica Ashley, what Emily, a swing. Samantha, Sarah, Michael, Chris, get this one, Topher, 
Topher. T O P H E R. How old's Topher Grace? Popular name in 994. Was he born in 94? He's the only Topher I can think of. I'm surprised yeah. you even know a Topher. Good for you. Topher Grace. Uh, Matthew, oh, Joshua, and Tyler. One. And um, I'm not well versed in many things. Um, we also lost John Candy. Um, oh, that was 94. Oh, I've been thinking about uh, starting a uh, another podcast called The Candy Store. Where we just do oh, that's awesome. John Candy films. Did you no, just come up with bad. a name like before anything else? You know, like yep. the first thing you need is a is a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um and just add, look, just to add yeah, just before we get to that, Al, just add my own personal flair to this most triumphant history section. Um the Stanley Cup champions were the New York Rangers. Ah. Uh, I <clears throat> I don't know if you remember Jules, but this was the famous uh, in the Stanley, in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Rangers were playing the New Jersey Devils, mm. and the Rangers were down. And the fearless captain Mark Messier went to the went to the press and said, "We will win Game Six. He pulled a Babe Ruth, <laughs> and um, not only did they win Game Six, but he scored a natural hat trick. So <laughs> the great the great Mark Messier came through for the New York Rangers in '94. So. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This has been Rangers Minute with Tim and Jules. Rangers Minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that was History with Tim. You're welcome. Thank you. Outstanding. Pretty good. Well done. Well uh, done. Seamless. I oh, appreciate that. Um, now, before... <clears throat> excuse me. I'm in perfect health. Um, before we get on to it, Al, do you want to just uh, give us a quick rundown, a synopsis on the Hudsucker Proxy before we get to delve too far into it. Okay, so the Hudsucker yeah. Proxy uh, is basically about this most excellent dude uh, called Wearing Hudsucker who throws himself out of the... out of the. He's the boss of a big company. Throws himself out of the window and at the same time, Norville Barnes comes in at the basement as a mailboy and uh, he goes on a most excellent adventure as... Uh, the board place him as the most triumphant president of the company purposefully to crash the stock, which is most non, non heinous. Uh, Basically. So all the board members could gain control. Is that? Yeah. So they could buy all the stock cheap and uh, then build it back up again, make all the monies. Uh, But he then invents uh, the hula hoop and, um, Hilarity ensues. Oh, oh, excuse me, but um, sorry, spoiler alert. No, no, I forgot the I forgot <laughs> the most important part of history with Tim, which was what this film was also known in in other countries. <laughs> um, of course. Now, Bulgaria, um, <laughs> our great friends. Look, I'm not going to go through it because that's really Brad Singh. But I just want to let you know that we've had a triumphant return of the backwards seven. Um, <laughs> but interestingly enough, in Croatia, this movie was called Mr. Hula Hoop, which I just bloody love. There you go, Mr. Wow. Hula Hoop. That's a great Mr. name. Mr. Hula Hoop in Croatia. So there you go. That's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Man, I tell you, I didn't even see the Hula Hoop part coming, but I suspected Neither. his design. Neither. I was like, I was like, what what kind of weird design is this? And, and then the hula hoop came out when it finally did come out. I was like, ah, if I can do it. I was like, I knew a it. A ripper but, reveal. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, yeah, it was a really good little twist, actually. I really enjoyed that. I'm like, of course, yeah. the hula hoop. So you guys hadn't seen this, I gathered, because... Man, I'd never even heard of it. Uh, look, you know me, Al. I'm not a, really a Cohen Yeah, yeah I want to get into that, type I want to get into dude. that. Yeah, um, yeah well, I'm happy to get into it. Because sure. I dropped, I dropped a line... Last episode, I said, you know, for kids, and I got nothing back from you three. So I was like, here yeah. we go. All right, I'll let that one go. And and look, to be honest, you should probably have more of a go at Brad for not getting that than me. But um, <laughs> yeah, just because he Honestly, is a I... self-proclaimed Cohen Brothers, not aficionado, but at least you know an enthusiast. So I actually yeah. thought this was a kids' movie coming into it because um, because you, know, you had said kids. it. So I thought we were watching a kids film and I started watching it. I'm like, I don't know if this is so much of a kids film. And it's a bit dark. I don't know if this is it's for kids. <laughs> I was so like, really, like, really suicide attempt. Yeah. 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 It's like, wow. Well, no, it was uh, successful. It wasn't even. Yeah, a true, true. Was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what a, like, I, I, 
to get us kind of started off, I do, if I do love something about this film, it's the look of the film. I'm a big, and I know that this was kind of really aimed at paying a homage to those kind of early 19, was it 1930s films sort of thing? Like, I think there was a a nod to a number of directors from that period of time, um, which you'd obviously know more about, Al, you'll probably feel a thing on that, but I did love the look of it. um, And I love that kind of art deco. And this kind of dark Batman-y vibe. Um, yeah. It's yeah, funny totally. that you say that because that's the same thing I related it to. I was like, I was like, what does this remind me of? And I'm like, oh, I like that old school, that old school Batman feel. It's like, uh, it's, it's a really fast paced though. Yeah, Neo-Gothic art, is a good art one. Art deco. Super yeah. art deco. So yeah. it's interesting. I, I picked this film because I love this film. Uh, but I hadn't seen it in ages. And I was looking for something a bit sort of, you know, not obscure, but something a bit less known uh, for for our show. Off the beaten trail. Yeah. And watching it last night, I was thrilled to be watching it. But, uh, like, uh, uh, look, I'll get to it early, but it's I wasn't as thrilled with it last night and wished, almost wished I'd picked a different Coen Brothers film. I had, and it and it turns out what I love about it is exactly what you said, Timmy, is the look, is the art direction. Uh, and I do, I, I like a lot of other bits about it as well, but it, it turns out it's primarily just the cinematography and how it looks and like it's gorgeous. Mm. It's a beautiful piece of film. Uh, but yeah, then I was like, but you know, this sits. So I spent a lot of time last night thinking about, oh, well, this sits. This was the film just before Fargo, which is when they sort of got like massive, massive as directors. Uh, and it's the one after Barton Fink, which I don't, I can't imagine you've seen Tim. No, um, I haven't seen it either. And Miller's Crossing. Actually, I think Miller's Crossing was it went it went Barton Fink and then Miller's Crossing and and Miller's Crossing is a really different film and it's really pretty as well. Um, but this is very, this is a very different departure, very different film from those two to then go to this like sort of screwball comedy, um, and to then sort of mix the dark and the comedy really heavily in Fargo. It's just, this, this sort of placed itself really nicely in the middle. I found that I was thinking a lot about all that last night, basically. I know the Coen brothers names really well, but I can't picture anything. Like, what's something that would be really well known uh, that so I, so I would be really familiar with? So they're more recent stuff. They won. They won statues for um, No Country for Old Men. Ah, they, yeah. They yeah. did the new True Grit. They did Fargo. They did mm, yep. Burn After Reading. They've done like sixteen films, I think. Um, I really Funnily like enough, them. I actually watched. I watched uh, No Country for Old Men last night. Oh, there you go. Oh, perfect. Yes. You can give us a yeah. A Journey of the Coen Brothers yeah. uh, essay. <laughs> I got it off. I go that far. But this go. is like, this is, a, this is a weird one, actually. I was, well, when I was kind of watching it, like, you know, like, yeah, this is definitely like Timmy, my first time watching it. And I was kind of like, for the opening scene, well, you know, like the, the introductory, like the, through the credits and things like that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, there's a lot of models going on here, uh, especially with like the opening shot through the city like I, I can only assume it's all models and i'm like straight away i was like oh, I, can, I think i know why l really likes this film uh <laughs> and i and, and going off what you said a second ago is that i was like oh i think i wonder if he likes it more because of all the artistic or you know the, the design and maybe the modeling and as opposed to the story yeah itself, it's so. it's super stylized this film like it's set in the in the late 50s but it's got a real like 30s vibe to it mm. which is kind of confusing yeah um, they met, they mentioned the great depression a couple of times in there yeah, i think like it's, a, it's a real 30s sort of manhattan vibe mm. uh, but it's you know it's clearly set around um, 58 59 i think the two, I think they mentioned it something like that. The two New Years, they're they're about. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't 
quite understand. I'm probably delving into it far too deep here, but like, what was the the owner of the company? What was that? The original Hudsucker guy, the big the big fat dude, wearing Hudsucker, wearing Hudsucker. Like, why did he? I'd never really quite understood why he jumped out the window. Yeah, I didn't know either. Well, he just he just he, wasn't happy, I guess. Yeah, he just he had enough. I heard a quote the other day and I'm going to have to look it up for the comedian because it was really good. She was like, she said, basically, uh, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. there's no point. Why are we all, why are we all doing this? And that, mm. that came back into my head last night. Cause it was like, that's clearly what he's done. You know, like it's while the, the guy from Total Recall is doing the speech. That sounds very like the speech from Total Recall. It's like, oh, yeah. it's it feels like they they cast him because they're like, oh, let's get the guy who did that speech from Total Recall um, <laughs> to do this bit where he's like, you know, we're making all the money here, we're doing all this, this is going really well. Basically, we're low. Oh, that's what he was out of. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was trying to figure out. I was looking at that guy going, Jules, you know where he's from. You know where he's <laughs> from. You can do it. Don't look it up. Figure it out. And then I just, I, I never figured it out. Mm. But hang on, he's the same guy. Isn't it the same guy that plays um, the cop in... Yes, he is. And that should have been my first reference. I totally believe yeah. you, dude. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's how I pictured him, is that quirky, wacky, zany uh, kind of guy. And I'm like, I can't, oh, I can't pick him where he's from. Yeah. We can get back to that <laughs> later in our uh, shared universe. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we will. But yeah, I think, you know, like the point of like, yeah, he's... They're they're absolutely killing it, but he's not fulfilled and out he goes. He's just had enough. Um, and they did say, like, they did mention that they were, like, killing it in terms of business, you know what I mean? Like, so it's not like the business was failing or anything. Like, it was just purely that he was struggling. Yeah. I tell you, when it, like, when it happened, though, I was kind of like, oh, man, is this movie like... Uh, remember that movie, The Happening? where the wind blows and then people yeah. start moving themselves. With Marky Mark, he's sitting yeah. There. Yeah, with Marky Mark, yeah, right? So he's sitting there and he seems so happy that he's making these billions and like he's loaded. And then, you know, like, and all of a sudden things go real grim. He starts getting real, like, that concerned look on his face. He's looking out the window and I'm like, did something just happen that I missed? Did the wind blow? And now he's going to himself. <laughs> he's I'm got like, the happening. But it, I get, yeah, I guess what you're saying is that he had that realisation that, you know, he's achieved his goals, he's built this business and it hasn't brought him happiness. Mm. You know, I guess, I guess, like, because I never understood why he killed himself, but I suppose what you've just said there, like, you know, that, uh, you know, ultimately, yeah, he's, he has achieved everything and he's not happy. So he's like, ah, I'm done. Yeah. Mm. Did you I did you call it when I mean look, Al maybe not you but Timmy did you call it when the when the second guy gets up on the table and starts running out the window and I was like ah oh, there's got to be a reinforced glass here like totally and then he hits it <laughs> yeah. and he's like he sticks to it and you're like yeah called it. <laughs> I love I love like it really reminded me of like an animation basically like everything is so I think that's, you know, like one of the reasons I dig this film, everything is so purposefully arranged and built and, and cinematographied, you know, like everything is, is, this, this to me is like movie making, you know, it's not just about telling a story. It's using the tool. I'm going to sound like a tool, but it's using the tool of cinema (laughs) (laughs) you can almost say it's it's theater on the screen you know like it's yeah okay. all and right this was so made... this is where i was this is where i was going to go with the coen brothers thing yeah i feel like the coen brothers films are just theater productions that are on in movie form like it's just what it feels like to me sure. and no, i'm not saying that i'm not saying i don't like theater but i just feel like it's just too S- sounds like over you're saying the, it sounds like you're saying you don't like theatre, Tim. <laughs> I, 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 I go to theatre. I went to Les Mis. I'm cultured. <laughs> I'm cultured. I'm hip. I'm jive. <laughs> um, so what have you seen? You've seen Oh Brother, We're Out Thou, which was my gateway Coen Brothers film. Yeah, and look, you know, we listen to that soundtrack a lot in the car. So that, 
that was a little painful. Um, <laughs> and look, uh, to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I actually never finished Oh Brother. Um, yeah. I got maybe halfway and I was just just uninspired. Um, sure, sure. I've seen Fargo. I've seen Old Country for Old Men I thought was good. I saw mm. True Grit, which I thought was good. Um, which, what's True Grit? What's that about? I feel like I've definitely seen that. Yeah, we spoke about it. At, True. I can't remember when we last spoke about it, but it's a, it's a Western. Um, yeah, it's a remake of a John Wayne film. Uh, right. And it's got um, Matt, Jeff Matt Bridges. And, um, I mean, Bridges. The Big Lebowski is a Coen Brothers film. Which you didn't dig. Yeah. This ah, is probably the, this is the last time we had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, right. And look the, again, you know, I, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here saying I'm not a big Coen Brothers fan, but I've just spouted off a couple that I thought that were you like. Yeah. Good. Mm. So. It's almost but, it's the screwball. Uh, you know what? It's that okay. You're not a big fan it, of. You know what? It feels like this is just a general vibe I get. Is that and Jules, you'll understand where I'm coming from from this, but Coen Brothers films feels like the tool fans of alternative <laughs> music. So it's like if it's you're like... into, if you're like super into tool, you're just kind of a pedestal above everyone else. Like if you don't like tool, I'm sorry. What's the point? IQ, you must be suffering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and I feel like there's like, if you're in the Coen Brothers movie club, it's like, I understand cinema. Cinema. This is intelligent, ah, yeah. <laughs> intelligent cinema. Whereas, and I just, I can't get over that. Um, I, yeah, I just can't That's a get very over good way of putting it. Vibe. I quite like that. I don't know why I get that vibe, but I just do with Coen Brothers films for some reason. And maybe that unfairly tarnishes it for me. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that the, the other director that comes to mind is uh, Wes Anderson, right? Wes Anderson has made the same film, you know, 12 times. And yeah. I hit a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm done. You know, I don't, I don't need to see the same film again with the same actors. And whereas I think the Coens, yeah, well, like the hotel one that you mentioned, Grand Budapest, uh, that Grand we've done, Budapest, that that think we've done on the show, yeah. Jules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that was, no, 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 it spent was, an hour that was my selection. It. <laughs> that was your that selection. Was my selection. Yeah, no, 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 but, I, I couldn't remember what it was called, but I, I remember you saying at the time, you were like, it kind of, this movie, it didn't feel as authentic because all of a sudden he'd, he'd you know, they'd earned the money and then they just threw every big name actor at it. It just didn't have that same feeling. Like I remember you saying that. But yeah, yeah. That makes sense. My, my point, yeah. So my point was that, anyway. um, whereas the Coen brothers have like, they yeah, they've had a style but not uh, like a genre of film. Like it's changed dramatically. Like if you look at this up against No Country for Old Men, yeah. you know, they're very, very different films, very different in tone, um, mm. you know, and same with True Grid and, and then Fargo is very different again. Um, you know, I, I feel like um, Oh Brother, We're Out There is a lot more like this one as well. It's like that really comedic almost panto mm. kind yeah, of vibe panto, i reckon you're right yeah mm. um but it looks breathtaking this film looks so spectacular um and it feels like i'll, I'll, I'll bring in another large topic is this this film is is why tropes should be used why they exist <laughs> and why they should be used because the every you get a lot of them in this film and they work for this film. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm thinking about things like the montages of stamps getting stamped mm. on things and, mm. um, the, and cutting to stock machines, whatever they are. I want to talk about stock. Yeah. Machines like the too. overflow of paper, like that. Yeah. That kind like, of like, yeah. There are a bunch of these tropes that that make sense in this film that work. Whereas if if you see them in some other film, you're like, well, that's lazy or that's you know tropey or you know unnecessary. Whereas here they work for me. They work really nicely. Lots of exposition mm. in newspapers. The 
the paper boy is a really good example, you know, extra, extra, this guy does this, you know, yeah. extra, extra, this is an exposition scene. Yeah. Um, but it works here because they've created this whole environment, this whole style. Mm. Would that have just been like a product of the movie making back in the thirties? Like, is that why he did it? Because it was a, you know, if he's if he's paying a, a homage to all these older filmmakers, and that's something that they regularly did to storytell. Mm. Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily like he's like he's just kind of reinventing the wheel, but they're re- I should say they're they're reinventing the wheel, but not as not obviously, I suppose, is the. I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. I don't know. No, no, I'm with well, you. I suppose like it's it's not a case of him just throwing them in there for the sake of filling the space or it's or deliberate, just, yeah. He's deliberately, you know, paying the homage to it. You know, like hmm. it's but it kind of makes you wonder why because like now that you mention it, like it it makes me question even more. Like if he's using all those tropes, why the movie's set in the late fifties as opposed to the thirties. Yeah. Like it just confuses me even more. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, yeah. Maybe something. Well, about... is that just a tie in from when the hula hoop came in? Yeah, that's true. Something about ah. the beatnik bar as well. Mm. Um, like it might just be something as simple as that. How weird was it seeing Steve Buscemi all of a sudden arrive in the movie? I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, you are well out of place right now. And then I'm like, oh wait, you're playing a beatnik? Okay, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, well, John Goodman was in it too, just briefly, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, you know what? That was the first was time he? I noticed that. Yeah, he was the voiceover. He was a news. Yeah, it was the voiceover. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, there's another Bill and Ted connection. I haven't confirmed this, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure the uh, the guy who played the voice of the president, Eisenhower. Mm. Mm. Yeah, when he calls oh, yeah. he calls Norval Barnes, I'm pretty sure it's Colonel Oates. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> I'll look. I'll look it up while we while we keep going. Wow, that's <laughs> man, you got sharp hearing, dude. That's like, did you pick that oh. by sound or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like I said, I haven't looked it up yet. Um, but I was. You just know like, what? You got to remember. Yeah, you got to remember, Jules, that these Bill and Ted connections reveal themselves to us uh, as opposed to oh, yeah. else. It's... The universe, the BTEU will open Correct. itself up to our it does. to my bosom. If you open your mind, <laughs> just let it flow. Just oh, let it's good. Let good it we need to start a religion. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you, going back to what you were saying earlier, Al, about like, you know, what, what we kind of said, how it's got that theatre to it. I, I I was really on board with all of the mailroom scenes, especially the uh, the scene when he's doing his, his induction or his, you know, his, yeah. his training. Like, there is so much going on. And I'm just oh. like, it was a point in the movie where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty on board with this. Like, I think this, yeah. is a, this is a really sweet kind of movie. Like, it's not trying to be... Uh, overly realistic or anything like that. It's got that theater-esque kind of feel That's to it. And that was a point where I was like, I think I'm on board with this, you know, like I love yeah. the fast paces of it. Yeah. And so what happened for me is, is all the first part of this film where it's like character stuff. Mm. I really, really enjoyed again, like watching it last night. I'm like, this is great. I'm so in this. I love the way the Coen's write that sort of repeating script you know like they keep bringing things back like plummeted 35 floors 34 not counting the not including the mezzanine yeah they they keep going you know like that's a that's a real like coen brothers you know it happens a lot you know brother actually they they use a lot of that repeating script and it's funny and it works but then as the film went on it got a bit more plot driven and i stopped caring as much Mm. I sort of lost me in the back that, half this time. Yeah. There was definitely a point in the film where it kind of, I was, it was accelerating, accelerating. I think it was once he kind of, he, 
I thought the movie was kind of going to go in this way where it was like once, you know, his idea was huge and he actually, you know, was making heaps of money for the company. And then I thought he was going to give the money to the people or the stocks to the people or, you know, who knows what direction it could have gone. But then all of a sudden I find that in order to tell the, you know, that standard kind of hero's journey kind of thing, um, you know, like it goes through the fame, the hoops not doing the hula hoops, not doing so well. He's not doing so well. Like it kind of went onto this. It, it just, it took it. It's almost like it's, it took the story from what happened in a matter of weeks and then it accelerated over a couple of months really fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like whether it did or not, I don't think it actually did, but it just, I think once he started kind of getting into the fame and then the hula hoop, you know, wasn't doing as well, it kind of just, that's where it kind of lost me. I think I was a bit like, oh, where's this going? Like I, I kind of felt like the movie should have ended on that, on the high that, that I was looking for. I, I don't know. Like, was that, I don't know. Where did it peter off for you, Al? Yeah, I reckon I'd agree with you there, Jules. Uh, it's it's probably about where I started losing it too, um, which is kind of interesting because, like, I guess that's when everyone else starts losing interest, you know? Like, maybe they mm. did that on purpose. Dun-dun-dun. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps the storyline would just be a bit too straightforward and a bit too generic if it was just like, and he invented the hula hoop and everything was good and everything was happy and, you know, like maybe yeah. it was just a bit too I don't know. cliche, it's just, I guess. It was just the, the back end where where uh, they just kind of started falling in love a bit with, you know, like with Amy and I'm like... What did oh. we think of Amy? Did you like Amy? Yeah, very much. <sighs> I just think she, obviously she was the most yeah. over the top with particularly the accent. Um, well, they all are, right? Like, well, if you think about everyone in that press room, like the chief is great. He's like, what is he like? Who does he go? Who does he know? What does he do? What does he, what does he put on his toes? Why doesn't he put it on his toes? Like, you know. He reminded me a lot of, um, what's his name from Spider-Man? The... Oh, yeah, J.J. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that same sort of, I want to know everything. Yeah, well, that's pretty reasonable. Mm. Like, you know, J.J. Jameson was written in the 30s as well. So That's, but that's the stereotype of the, the report. I mean, Timmy, you yeah. do a, you, the voice that you do when you're, you know, you, you can do that voice really well. It's that same 1930s <laughs> cliche. And here of, come mm. the fellas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking Go sharp, them, lads. <laughs> 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 but um, but that whole I, I, like the whole press room. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Where the the trope, the stereotype, works really well in this film. They're like, we need a stereotypical newspaper chief, and it needs to be turned up to cartoon levels. Um, <clears throat> great, great. She, she was very cartoon level though, wasn't she? Yeah. So I forgot to write it down, of course, because that would be too organized but she's loosely based or like not based off but it's sort of a direct (laughs) (laughs) to keep talking i'll find it uh it's a it's a film with carrie grant and oh it's called his girl friday um because it was just like you know it was like all her lines are just i say oh i say you know and all this sort of stuff and you're just like i Come on. Nah, I loved it. I was eating uh, it. I'm just not. Like, yeah. like, like, I tell you what was a great scene. A, t- a terrific scene is when she's doing three things at once. She's typing. She's typing up yeah. her article. She's mm. having a conversation with Smitty. And she's doing all the crossword puzzles behind her. The, the old <laughs> bloke in the back's like, hey, Amy, what's a, what's a six-word letter for... And a six-word like, letter. Well, you know, and she's like <laughs> banging out this article. <laughs> Talking to Smitty, like having a conversation with Smitty, and and helping this bloke out, like mm. I love, and and that ends that ends with her like whistling and going copy, like it's great. It's a real mm. full stop oh. of an ending of a scene, and well, I do like it when she's um she's basically um she's she's lecturing Norval, and um she just keeps telling him to shut up. But it gets to the point where he's not saying anything. She's like, even before he, like, he even looks like he's about to say something, she's like, shut up. <laughs> as she, as she continues on. Um, 
I guess that that scene is like it, it really shows that she can hold her own, you know, in this male ruled environment, especially, you know, in the fifties, that she's you know, she's she's killing it, you know, regardless. Uh, with that scene, I, but I think I agree in that when she were first introduced to her uh, during the meeting when she comes in, I was like, everybody actually felt normal. But when she came in, I was like, that feels over the top. Yeah, it felt yeah, over the top. Maybe yeah, it's her initial reaction to it, and I did get used to it, I suppose, as the film went on. Mm. So, you say, so the mail room happened before her. The whole blue letter, you know, like we meet Buzz. <laughs> hey buddy I, I suppose that's a valid point actually like considering how many things are over top in the movie it was yeah. surprising that I found that one thing but I did find it I did. I don't know why I just found that it stood out that it like I, I suppose all of that ridiculousness I think the actors I'm not going to say it was like you know the fact that it was a female character or anything like that uh, it's more that I think the all of the actors played their roles really well, but I just felt like she was the only one that I could see who was clearly acting. Does that make sense? I just don't think Look, she I was disagree. that suited for the role. It was, But I only found it in that initial scene. I think it was after that, once I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is her character. This is who she is. I was a bit more uh, on board with it. But okay. I mean, she's a, she's a very good actress. She's gone on to do some killer stuff. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee. She's great. Mm. Yeah, um, this film does not pass the Bechtel tests by any means. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was ever supposed to pass the Bechtel There test. are very few women in this film. Um, I think it was yeah. designed to flunk it horribly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'll, but, like, see, I, like, the fact that they're all over the top, like, all the characters are over the top. You think of Buzz. You go right down to the uh, the receptionist, the woman... When he gets up with the blue, he's like, "Do we have an appointment?" I, I know, and that's, yeah. again, this is this is that was almost the precise moment where I pictured this movie on a theater stage. Sure, because I'm I, like that type of acting fits in perfectly on a theater stage because that's just how a lot of them are, and just seeing it in a movie, I, I don't know, there's something about it. It shouldn't matter because you know, one, you're just watching them do it live, and the other one, you're watching. It's through a screen. So it's like, well, what, what's the difference? There is a difference for me. I don't know what it is, but it just mm. it annoyed me initially, I think. I just, I got, I'm just like, speak normally. Like I was just, yeah, right. I don't know why I was like that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair but, Did um, you watch Sicario before you watched this? Or yeah, well, <laughs> funny you should say that. It's funny you should know. I didn't. Um, yeah right. I did, I, I, I did watch. I did watch Lion after it, which probably wasn't the best. Oh, there you movie. go. I don't know if you oh really? It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right. Um, Very good. I found out last night uh, that this was co-written by Sam Raimi, uh, which boy. makes a lot of sense because uh, Joel, I think I probably got that wrong. Joel Cohen, I think, uh, helped edit Evil Dead. Like they've been friends for a long time, uh, and Bruce Campbell was in it. Uh, Bruce Campbell was Schmitty. Um, Schmitty. Schmitty. So that was Who cool. Was like, I'm, I'm, Bruce Campbell, he's like know. Ash from The Evil Dead, and he's been in. He he does a lot of oh, cameo yeah, yeah. Sam Raimi films and yeah, 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 that sort of thing. Yeah, he's good. He's like yeah, right. campy, over the top, turned up to eleven. Like it was good casting, mm. despite the fact that he was also so, a mate. I mean, we haven't we haven't mentioned it yet, but how good was Paul Newman? I was just about to say we haven't talked about Paul Newman at all. I thought he was really good in this. Yeah, super good. And and a real like departure from his like uh you know, his big his big stuff of like uh the hustle the hustler mm. and um you know like cool hand Luke where he's all like super dreamy <laughs> rap scallion kind of, you know, guy to turn he's like the bad guy basically in this yeah. in this film. Mm. Uh nails it. Yeah, he really did. It's, he was a real jerk, and I loved him. He played. He played Sydney, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, I, I, I. He is the character of. Uh, if you've ever watched Cars, which I'm sure you guys yeah. have, he plays he's, Doc. He's Doc, Doc yeah. In Cars, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I literally found that out today because I watched Cars 3 earlier and I was like <laughs> looking at it and I've never heard of this movie ever and I'm going through, here's the Doc Hudson character, uh, you know, his previous movies and then boom, yeah. there it is. Hudsucker um, proxy. Uh, uh, proxy and I'm just like, wow, how about that? Small. <laughs> Do you know what I found actually? This movie reminded me, obviously, I, look, I don't know if, if uh, the, it was... was Ever seen Mr. Deeds? So much yeah. of Mr. Deeds reminded me of this, like the reporter going undercover and falling in love. And I was just like, there was, I was like, I wonder if they watched the Hudsucker Proxy and kind of got a little bit of inspiration there. Like, you know, said, well, we can, we can ham this story up in a new way. Because oh, there's no a doubt. lot of, I don't know, there was mm. just a lot of uh, similarities. I was like, how about that? Anyway, next time you watch Mr. Deeds, which I'm yeah, sure it'll be know. real well, soon. I was about to say, I, I wouldn't tell the Coens that, you know, oh, Mr. Deeds is quite similar. Is that the Adam <laughs> Sandler one? Yeah, yeah. it is. Well, John Turturro's in that, isn't he? Isn't he the uh, butler? I think I know it now. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Yeah, he is. So John Turturro's a, a Coen Brothers stalwart, so there's a connection there. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and um, uh, Steve Buscemi is in it as well. Because he's right. one of the Adam Sandler crew, and Bishemi's in this calendar. Oh, it's it's all connected here, boys. It's so just like, the B T E U U E U. Look, no, no. You you think it's a you think it's a Coen Brothers connection, but it's not. It's actually B T E U. It's connection. actually connected through the Round the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets them every time. Yeah, every oh, time. Man. No one sees it coming. <laughs> uh, well, look, we've got to be kicking on. Sorry to muscle in on your your line there, Jules. I've just been so used to you ah. being here. No, no, that's all right. I haven't got a timer in front of me, so I don't know how how on we're kicking, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I think that's a problem with this. Unless you you check which time you start recording, you got no idea. I wanted to. I wanted to ask. Knowing you're not a huge fan of Cohen Simi and yeah. the problems that most of you had with the acid trip sequence in the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, the dream. How sequence? did you go with dream. this dream sequence? You know what? I just kind of let it be. I didn't, I'm not saying I had a problem with it, but I, when it came up, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. There it is. Sure. Wait it out, Timbo. Wait it out. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's pretty just much, weather the storm. That's pretty much what it was. I was so was. surprised by it. I like it honestly was. had to check my amplifier, like my AV switcher, because I thought I'd accidentally switched over to the computer or something. It was randomly <laughs> playing YouTube. I'm not even kidding. Like I actually thought that I'd, I'd changed the inputs on my, on my amp. And I'm like, oh, did I? Like it was, I was just so surprised it was in there. It's funny you mention that, Jules. I had a similar problem last night. I, I put this, I got, I got this on DVD. Look. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hot here. Official. <laughs> um, and I stuck it in to my laptop to play it and I didn't notice until like right near the end, like when uh, Wearing Hudsucker comes back as the angel with the spinning hula hoop. Oh, we need to talk about Hello. it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have zero idea how any of that, like I don't understand any of that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weirdness there. I'm not sure if, there's any, if there is anything to understand about it, but anyway, continue. Sorry. Well, I had... I had this music playing in the background <laughs> that was like the intro music to the Hudsucker Proxy. Like, you know, it was like the opening credit sort of music. And I'm like, that's weird. There must be something glitching. It's a pretty old laptop. I'm sort of in the process of switching it out and must be just glitching. And anyway, I kept watching. I just sort of put up with it because I've seen the film a lot and, and I got to the end and yep, finished closed it turns out i was watching it on vlc the dvd was playing through vlc and in the background the dvd software of the laptop had or had also booted up and it was sitting on the menu and it was just like playing through the menu in the background like oh (laughs) anyway oh my god yeah that's so good (laughs) i love that but um yeah so wearing hudsucker as an angel so and Moses. same with the clock tower guy as well. Yeah, Moses. That, yeah. I don't quite understand what they were doing there because he was the narrator, wasn't he? Yeah. Moses? Yeah. So is is he – I'm just doing things with my hands. Is he similar to 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to one of our previous episodes. Two hands. Is he similar to oh, Jimmy's brother? To the brother. Is he a bit of a supernatural presence? Well, yeah, totally. Talk- I found the I the the fighting sequence was odd because I'm like, why do we suddenly care about? I mean, I know they kept wiping over the sign writers' letters. Yeah. But why is he suddenly on uh, Musburger's side? He's on. He's like. He's he's like bounty hunter all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and I don't under. I I I'm not sure I'm on board with just that sudden supernatural element just propping in there at the end. Like it was very jarring. Like it really takes you by surprise. And 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 I was almost sitting there like, oh, okay, this is weird. Maybe this isn't happening. Maybe. He thought he like he slipped and then thought all this was happening and then we'll go back to him hanging on the ledge or something. Um, yeah, see, it works for me because it made me realise how surreal the rest of the film was before that, like leading up to this point. Because mm. it it felt a bit jarring this time. But then I was like, no, actually, the whole film is pretty surreal and and outlandish and hyper real and other sorts of jargony words. Um, mm. And so for then to it jump into like full magic, basically, where this guy was like the all seeing, all knowing. Yeah. <laughs> It, <laughs> We're keeping you up, Al. Yeah, so um, the all-seeing, all-knowing power of the universe, as it were, you know, because he freezes time just with his clock. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of works. It's funny because it, it, it like goes back to that what I was saying way early at the start when Hudsucker is sitting there in the office and they're talking about how much money they've made, and then something happens that you know, ultimately leads him to jump out of the, the window. And I kind of thought it was because at the same time, um, I've forgotten our character, our main character's name. Norval Barnes. Um, Norval Barnes, right. When he arrives, well, you know, it's that exact time that Hudsucker commits suicide. And I was like, I was like, maybe there is some kind of power. Like, like earlier I mentioned, you know, like reminded me of the happening. There's something greater at play here. There's, mm. you know, these guys are all the puppets and there's a puppet master at play, so to speak. Um, but then the, then the, I felt, yeah, the entire movie didn't go there. And then right at the end, all of a sudden, yeah, there's this weird supernatural kind of thing. It goes back to that feeling that I had at the start and, yeah, it still felt very jarring and very out of place. It's bloody but... great. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> but it's great because it is it, like yeah, look, like I've already said, it it just adds to the elevenness of this film. The the random and theatrical. <laughs> I, 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 I almost feel like it went beyond the eleven. That bit. I just don't. I as a as a long time heard about her. Cohen brother hater. Um, <laughs> it, it, look, it it caught me quite by surprise, and I just it felt cop outish a bit. And I know that that's. I could just it, look, it is a little bit. Because when he was falling, I'm like, oh, he's suffering the same fate as um, Hudsucker did. Mm-hmm. And so the movie was maybe making a bit more sense to me because it was like no one in this position is going to fulfil their dreams. So through, and then he was just kind of plucked out of midair by this by the angel, and it was just like, oh. and then you, you know, know what? I reckon I would have been on board with that. I totally would have been on board if they if he'd actually died. As grim like a, as that is, it's a grim ending, right? But it it, yeah. it, it felt like it would have made more sense to the general. Yeah message of power isn't everything you know like getting to the top isn't going to make you any happier than you know yeah but it feels like the the overall sort of message there is that because he was unhappy he was unhappy at the top 
because he was getting sort of told what to do and, and managed by the board and, and all that sort of stuff. But that's what Hudsucker would have been going through too, right? Well, Hudsucker owned, what was it, 86% or something of the company. Mm. And so in that blue letter, so, so Hudsucker basically planned his death because that, that blue letter was a, a suicide note, effectively, saying this is where I want my shares to go to. Mm. Um, and I wonder so, how legally binding that document is. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Not, <laughs> not my wheelhouse. But got to see an, a lawyer and get it notarized. And <laughs> but he logical jewels is oh, totally. <laughs> I, got, I don't have a button here in a spa. So <laughs> we, the only you do. Is, it's just yeah. just turns <laughs> bubbles on button. instead of plays the theme. <laughs> yeah. But the thought oh. now that he owns the company and has the controlling share of the company means he can go back and run it how he wanted and that was the whole thing about uh amy sort of falling in love with him because she was like i thought you were an imbecile and you were but actually you're super kind-hearted and well intentioned Um, i guess though like you know hudsucker you say hudsucker owned 86 percent of the company so therefore he was running it how he wanted and he was still ended up how he ended up i guess true uh, you know what I mean? Like I like I get yeah. Like he can go back now and actually have his creative control. But the overall lesson, I suppose, there is that that's not necessarily going to make him happy or any happier than he is. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I guess you know, like he like Hudsucker. He seems like Hudsucker had that similar mindset of, you know, he knew where the company was going. He obviously with what he'd planned, he knew that. The money hungry, the greed was the pro- at the forefront, the priority of the board, mm. um, and this was his attempt to reset that, I suppose, because he knew what Sydney was going to do. I suppose he he preempted that Sydney yeah, was going to sure. do what he did, yeah, because because otherwise Sydney would have got that, he would have been the next in line and would have benefited from that letter. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it seemed like a weird way to go about it i guess is yeah um, but i guess you know like you know, when you look at the movie and the weirdness of everything i guess you can say well <laughs> if that was weird yes. then it, you know it's all weird we're weird keep weirding on yeah there wasn't a whole <laughs> lot of normal in this movie was there it Big just bad. that felt too weird that felt um mm. you know that just kind of felt like it was yeah, it just fell out of place. So, you know, and maybe the jarring. Maybe if I watch it again, it wouldn't feel that like that. But mm. yeah. Well, you know what, fellas? I think we are moving on a little bit. We've got to go. I See, just looked at the when Jules says it. it Jules does it. Jules knows when the to right do it. The right time, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Would it be time for your favourite segment, Al? Maybe. Oh, it's got to be right. Oh yeah. Look, if it's if if I know you, which I think I do, you're my brother. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's every film has a shared universe. <laughs> now look. Thank you. Has anyone, uh, anyone got any solids here? I struggled a bit this week. Yeah, I, I did too. Because um, it's so I, surreal. I came up with one is that uh, the doctor that they get to, um, you know how they do the psychoanalysis of him? Yeah. Uh, I figured that could be that could be Sigmund Freud, dude, and he could be the same <laughs> Sigmund Freud that they go. I, I think a very different time and place, but uh, that was as bad as good as I could get, to be honest. Could could Hudsucker's angel be the opposite of death from Bill and Ted? So death is taking you to the afterlife, whereas Hudsucker's sending you back. Oh, he's like, like he's like some they're like a. Yeah, th- yeah, thank you. My history is yeah. terrible. Um, well, my mythology. <laughs> Your is religion, terrible, yeah. <laughs> um, the yeah, maybe he could be the the opposite. You know, you always need that balance in the universe. Sure. So, um, so the closest I got along those lines, apart from the shared cast members, you know, like that that guy. After, after, so basically the guy at the <laughs> that start. That guy. <laughs> no, no, no. So at the, at the start, 
after Norval takes over, the board gets sacked, right? Mm. And so the Total Recall guy from the start mm. decides to go into law enforcement and becomes the cop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That takes over. But the whole thing really reminded me of the aesthetic in hell. Mm. Yeah. Of like... Because it feels... It feels like a like set. Ted's... Ted's... Uh, Younger, younger Ted's house when the Easter Bunny chases after him. Oh yeah, and Bill's and little Bill's grandma. It all has the same kind of vibe, same sort of aesthetic. So perhaps this is somebody's hell, somebody's personal hell. Maybe it's Norval Barnes's like personal it's a, hell. Wow, it's a you know we 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 like the hell is that we treat you with uh, oh you're going to become successful to then just bring you back down over and over uh, again uh, yeah that's pretty good i like that this is that's pretty seamless almost it's, I it's, yeah it's, i say it's irrefutable <laughs> irrefutable <laughs> <laughs> another successful uh successful um another successful segment things. yep i mean this I is think... why we're making huge waves in the industry boys well you know like these. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, we say this every week. It's a public. It's a public service more than anything else. Uh, I had so in this in this interim period, I, we got a delightful shout out from the Sun Theatre this week uh, on mm. their show, uh, and it was all came about because uh, we were trolling them about Willy Wonka, um, and uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> And, and Tim's epic fan theory of uh, Charlie, uh, Willy Wonka as Charlie's dad. There was... Michael called us cheeky, that rapscallion. He did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. They suggested that in his walking stick is a lightsaber. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. What? Because... <laughs> kills. Because uh, Obi-Wan chose exile on Tatooine whereas Jedi Master Wonka chose a chocolate factory <laughs> <laughs> and and Charlie is his new Padawan, basically. What? He chose he chose a chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah. for low profile. You, you still say those words. <laughs> hey, you, Tim, the words Tim. you used, Jedi Wonka chose a chocolate yeah. factory. Jedi Master Wonka. <laughs> Whoa, excuse me. Oh. And he has a brown oh, lightsaber. Rich. Why would oh. the most powerful Jedi in the universe, Yoda, choose Dagobah when he could choose a bloody chocolate factory? <laughs> oh, man. Like, when you're putting all the choices in yeah. a nice little neat row. Can you imagine they're all standing around in an escape pod and Obi-Wan pulls out a little slip of paper that says Tatooine? And he's like, yeah. oh, man. And then Yoda pulls out Wonka. a figure and he's like, oh, you want to swap? And he's like, no, nah, Tatooine's looking pretty good. And then Jedi Master Wonka pulls out Chocolate Factory. And he's like, you're you beauty. <laughs> See, See you, lads. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, slight digression there. That's beautiful. I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, oh, no. Ratings. <laughs> Um, Al, this is your yeah, choice. Yeah, I'll go. You, you uh, look, I thought long and hard and it fluctuated throughout the film. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't as good. Oh, no, actually, this is great. Oh, maybe this isn't good. And during our chats, it's done the same thing. And I've finally uh, balanced out the barometer and it's landing on 110%. Whoa! Like, Get yeah, out of town! Yeah, I, oh. I still love it. I still The aesthetic is just like... It's, I don't know. I just love watching this. It's like a warm blanket. I'm like my, wow. Like it's, it's definitely, definitely flawed, uh, in a lot of places, but Uh. just like, you know, it was just that opening panning shot or that opening track through the city and the music swelling. And I'm like, I'm already, I'm so excited for this. So strong. I know, but, I'm yeah. due for a reset as well. Yeah, I think we all are. Bit of a <laughs> yeah. recal. Yeah, I'll um, find... Oh, uh, I, I go for it. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, look, mine was probably lower before this convo. I think I've brought it up. I'm still below 50. I'm probably about 45. I think 
like I, I'm a, I love Tim Robbins. I think he's great. And I, I really enjoyed Paul Newman. Um, that, yeah, that, that bit at the end there just kind of soured me instead of sweetened me, I suppose. Um, and yeah, it was the, the, the general Cohen-ness <laughs> of it. <laughs> You know, I, I feel maybe I'm real gonna, maybe, I, maybe I need to mature into these sort of films, <laughs> and that may come. I, maybe it hasn't happened yet. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm probably going to see around 45 at this stage. I, look, if I'm going to watch it again, it's probably going to be from your direction, Al, as opposed to anything else. So um, sure. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can't say I can't say that. Like I've never seen it before. Look, I don't know if I'd really go out of my way to watch it again. It was enjoyable. Um, I think you're absolutely correct in saying that I may need a reset. I don't think I've chosen. Well, I haven't rated a film above a hundred percent in quite a long time. So I'm like, Jules, man, maybe you, maybe you're being a bit harsh. But look, for maybe this we're one, just not watching good enough movies. I we made that almost. Maybe we don't need a true. reset. Well, let's um, just not. We watched Broken Arrow not that long ago, so let's just. Oh not, yeah. Let's just be careful there. What we say there. Um, look, I'm. I'd probably only give this. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar to Tim. I'd probably give it at forty percent. Uh, not, you know, not amazing. It didn't blow me away. I, it certainly wasn't a childhood movie of mine. I'd never even heard of it until, you know, you suggested it. So I don't know how it really slipped by the cracks because I feel like it would have been look, a movie was that a, I was definitely on board with. It was a monster flop at the box office as well. Like, yeah, yeah right. it, you're speaking on like, behalf of the general public here. Okay. It was like a budget of 40 million and it made like, I don't know, a couple hundred grand or something yeah. like early oh, on. Oh, really? It was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was their first sort of major oh, wow. studio mm. um, venture. Joel Silver produces. Oh, yeah, right. Mm. I should have yeah. got Joel Gold. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh look, we're out of time. Wow. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> we. I'm assuming we don't have anything from B-Rad. I didn't hear from B-Rad. Did you? No. No, I heard nothing. Jules? Aut- automa- no, I haven't heard it. No, I guess that they gives him an automatic 100%. Can't yeah, 100. Talk. Waiting for bread, bread to prove. Yeah. Okay, 100 from B-Rad. That works. Um, excellent. He yeah. would have hated that dancing scene. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. right. So, um... Just before we move on to what we're doing next, uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, please do. We love people requesting films. Obviously, we didn't do that today, but we're going to do a listener request next. So, um, so saddle up for that. So, yeah, do send in requests to us. Um, Facebook's a good option. You can just message us on there. If you want to send us an email, you can send us to sandemusfilm at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Instagram at Sandemusfilm and Twitter, SDSFpod. Um, like Rory Cochran did. SDSFpod or whatever Liked our oh, post. Yeah. Lucas he did, didn't he? and Slater, two-time Sandemus alumni, <laughs> <laughs> liked one of our oh, yeah. posts. We're pretty much famous yeah. now, guys. No big deal. That's it. No yeah, look, deal. you know, if we start to act like jerks, you know why? Just because uh, <laughs> you know, fame hits Starts pretty hard and... You know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Oh, um, amazing. So, Al, uh, hopefully I mentioned correctly that we're doing a, a listener request. Do you have something lined up there? I do. I have the list. The list. And we're going to hear from Lindsay Fletcher again. Thanks for listening, Lindsay. What did Lindsay do first time? Upgrade? Was Aliens. Upgrade Aliens. was mine. Aliens. Ah, oh, it was. Yeah. Uh, well, look, he's, he's changed the tone a bit. Uh we're going to go for, oh, I don't know what year it is, 90-something. We're going to go for The Truman Show. Yeah, no. Nice. Is this our first Jim Carrey? Perhaps. It might be. I think it is. I reckon. That's surprising, actually. Yeah. We haven't done... And not a... Not we haven't done standard. Batman Forever? No, we haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's not your standard it's, it's Jim Carrey, It's not your typical Jim Carrey, so, you know. Yeah. Sounds like an Adam Sandler film, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Deeds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's um, what the Hutchcock of Prophecy was based off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Oh, vice versa. Fantastic. Awesome. Great so there you go, the Truman oh, Show. 97? Oh, nah. Sure. May I think I, it is 97. Like I was 90s. thinking 97. Yeah, well, that's what any... I thought. I thought it was a 97. There you go. 
Cool. I look look forward to that one. Ninety eight. It was ninety eight. Ah, nice. Very close. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Good to see you again, Jules. It's lovely to see your face. I haven't seen your face. Uh, in a couple absolutely. Of months, yeah, no, and your shoulders it's been and your and chest and yeah, <laughs> your bare chest. Yeah. <laughs> Put away, so. um, now, thanks, guys. Another. Another uh, another great chat, and Luya, look, we'll see you next episode, everybody, for and, the Truman Show, Al. And uh, Keanu sends his apologies. He couldn't get his audio working, so ah, we'll hopefully damn. we'll get him you in on the next one. I said to him, I said to him, oh, it might have been the day before yesterday that his audio sounded a bit crackly. So I did give him pre, you know, pre warning about that, but oh, couldn't sort it out. He's a busy time. man, Whatever. I hear. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's all right. I'm sure we'll see him next time. <laughs> awesome. Oh well, we'll see you next episode for the Truman Show. Be excellent to your ears and potty on dudes.